Before we get started with this, I just want to say a special thanks. The board has been working to get us back to our more normal stuff, and uh, Betty Melrose is the one that made the bread, and it was probably far healthier than anything we've eaten in the last several months. Um, but thank you so much for your work in all of this. And we do look forward, Monday, Thursday, is going to be a communion service here in the sanctuary. And some ideas bubbling up on that. So just encourage, that's the Thursday of Holy Week. So just encourage you to be here for that. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It, uh, I want to just jump right into this. It is Matthew 6, and I'm going to read 25 through 34. What we are doing in order to prepare ourselves for Easter in this season of Lent is we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, these core words that Jesus used, these core teachings that he says, this, this is what we're to build our lives on. This is what the kingdom of God is, is how it functions, where you can find life and meaning and purpose. And he uses a lot of phrases, so like, you have heard it said, but now I say. He's giving us a new teaching, a new way of viewing the world. And what I want to encourage us to do today is to be welcoming of that new teaching, which requires us to start in a place of, maybe I don't have it all figured out yet. And I find that this is a tricky place to be in. I think when we're young, we think we got it all figured out. We know nothing at all. Sorry for those of you that are a little younger. You'll figure it out. And then as we age, we get sort of used to our way of viewing things. And it becomes much more solid, much more, well, this is just how I see the world. And we become much less receptive sometimes to hearing a new way. People are going to push back against Jesus throughout his entire ministry career as he puts the very principles that he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount into action. They're going to push back all the way through. That doesn't make Jesus wrong. Let's not be one who pushes back. Let's be those who receive. Amen? Amen. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, more, are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your lifespan? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grasses of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? 
Or is it Gentiles who strive for these things? And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Has anyone ever heard these verses before? Has anyone ever found someone in their life and read them to them as a reminder? Do we have any self-confessed worry words in here? It's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. Not, says John, says our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in his most clear and most important teaching that he gives. Are we willing to hear this? Do not worry about your body and what you will wear. Do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. There's more to life than food. There's more to life than clothing and appearance. There's more to life than this. I think it's appropriate to just be honest with ourselves that if we wanted to put that picture on the screen on a t-shirt, we could. Because worry is a big part of life for many of us. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on. And you start to play the scenarios in your head, right? Oh, if this, then this, and if that happens, then this, and and all down the line, or maybe sometimes worry, it doesn't have like a thought train attached to it. It's just that, that worry that sort of sinks in your gut and your heart, and you're just nervous and anxious and worried, and you're not even exactly sure why. Sometimes you might have a direction. Maybe it's a child or a parent or, or a job or something like that, but it's just that unknown, and you can't even put thoughts to it. You can't even put words to it, but it's just there, and it's How many of you find worry relaxing? Yeah, we don't. It, it, it sort of eats at us. It can rob us of sleep. It can rob us of, even it can take away our ability to be present in the moment because we're worried about the one that is to come. The worry actually is, is one of these things that it takes away from our physical health. Worry can actually cause us to physically decline, to have physical symptoms. It, it affects our emotions. We can get so wrapped up and wrought up into our, our worried culture, our worried sense of what's going on, that we get very short, or we get very anxious, or we get very uh, angry. It's almost like 
you f- we fill our capacity up with the maybes, the what might be's, and all of that worry. And then when something real comes along, we're already at capacity. We have no room for it. And so we just, boom, react to it. We throw it back at the person that gave us. We ignore it. We repress it. We, whatever it might be. Or it just breaks us. And all of a sudden we're in tears because a spoon got dropped or whatever it might be. It takes our emotional capacity down. It makes us less able to deal with the world around us. And mental health, doesn't this just start to really, you ever gotten that pattern where those thoughts just keep spiraling in your brain? And that again, can't sleep sometimes or just, it hasn't happened yet, but it just spins in our brain, one thing after another until it's really all we can think about. And it, it makes us less able to process the world around us. Worry takes away from life. It doesn't add to it. Worry is destructive. And of course, it's not destructive in like a universal sense, like the whole house is going to fall apart. But a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here. It can start to chip away at what makes us us. And then we start to be defined by what we're worried about and the might be's rather than the who we are and what is. So where does worry come from? Often it comes from that which is out of our control, out of our reach. We worry about stuff we can't control. And there's a lot of things to worry about. You have health, yours and others. You've got family, all of their stuff, friends, all of their stuff. And there is plenty of drama in this wide world. You've got money. Do we have enough? Do the people we care about have enough? How can we help? Where can we do? What's going to happen? You've got the future. What's going to be? And the list could go on and on and on. There's so many different things we have to worry about. We're never going to lack for the things to worry about. And I think most of it comes with this, I would suggest, flawed thought. That if I'm in control, things will be okay. If I can control the health of my spouse or family member or parent, and if I could just make them eat what they're supposed to eat, or get them to the doctor when they need to get to the doctor, or, 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 then it'll all be okay. Is that true? Some of us think it is. We might shake our head no, but our actions say otherwise. If I could just control the boss, if I just had enough money, if I just, 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 if I had control, I wouldn't have to worry. It's a lie. I think what really is going on is we use worry as fuel. 
It's a motivator. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Because I'm worried about them. I've got to go do that. Because if I don't, maybe they, it's not going to get done. I'm worried that the chore is not going to be done. The pill is not going to be taken. Whatever it might be. And now it's our motivator. It's our reason to go and do. And I think we do that. It causes us to act. Because worry does that. It causes us to think, to do. If I'm worried about everything else in the whole wide world, you know what I don't have to worry about or consider? Myself. Because there's always somebody with bigger problems than me. It's not healthy. This motivator isn't good. I actually have people that I'm related to that are... I've joked around, but it's not truly a joke. They are full-on motivated by stress. Like, if there is not much to stress about, they will go find things to get stressed about. And sometimes it gets almost ridiculous. Because they don't know how to work without that motivation. They don't know how to go to do without stress. And a lot of us have the same thing. That's the reason we get up and go to work, because we're worried that we're not going to have a job and we're not going to get, we're worried about other people might think about us. We're not, we're worried about, we're worried about, I got to put food on the table and clothes on people's back. The very same things that Jesus says, don't worry about these things. If worry is our motivator, it will not lead us closer to God. It will not lead us to greater health. The question Jesus points to here is value, worth. Do you see yourself and those around you as valued by God? Are you not of more value than they? Jesus asked. Do you see that God actually cares and knows in ways that you can't even imagine? That you yourself are a child of God and the person looking back at you in the mirror is someone that our Lord and Savior would die for? You're worth that much? And if our Father, if you know how to give good gifts, said the scripture, doesn't our Father know even more? That our Lord is the one who will care because you're worth it? Are you not more value than they? Do we see ourselves as able to trust God with that that we worry about? Are we able to look and say, you know what? This is not inside of my ability to control. It's not healthy for me to worry about this. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. Are we able to do that? Are we able to take that deep breath and... 
My guess is that everyone here either has or will experience a moment when something happens that's so far outside of your control that you got nothing left. And you have that moment when you're like, all right, I guess I just have to trust God. And for me, that has always felt like letting a, setting down a weight. It has felt so freeing that this is not my problem to solve. That the whole weight of the world doesn't rest on what I think or what I do next. Yet this person that is beloved by God, you know what? They're beloved by God. And I'm going to be me, and they're going to be them. And I'm going to trust God with the rest. I find it to be the most difficult thing to do when it's inside of a family. Anybody ever here ever had a parent that doesn't want to listen to their children, the doctors, common sense, God himself, anybody? Be careful with the elbows. Anybody here ever had a child that doesn't want to listen to anybody for anything? What do you do with it? We worry, we worry, we worry, we worry. Oh, what is it going to happen? No, says Jesus. That is not actually going to be a healthy thing for you or them. That is not an expression of love. Have you ever, you want to put this to the test, do it this way. Have you ever avoided somebody because you know they're just going to worry about it? If you told them what was really going on, you know, I can't tell them that because if I do, they're just going to worry about it. It's going to keep them up at night and I don't want them to do that. What did worry do there? Separated. It created separation between people who need each other. Have you heard the message that worry is unhealthy yet? Or should I continue? <laughs> Consider the lilies. Now, Emily and I got to go for a little trip this week and uh, we ended up back, met some of my former church in Greensburg, Indiana and said, hey, I'm going to be in town. Anybody want to grab lunch? I was like, come to the church. We're having a potluck. And I'm like, okay. So we did, but there was this guy at our church. He's long since passed on now, but he would sing a song. I think it's an old gospel song, Consider the Lilies. Anybody ever heard that one? One of his favorite songs. He'd sing it at funerals. He'd sing it all over the place. Um, and so every time I read this verse, I hear it in his voice. Consider the lilies. This Look what he says about the lilies of the field. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. For all the work of the most wealthy, most powerful king in the history of Israel could not compare to the beauty of a flower in a field that was created by God is just beautiful. 
because God creates beautiful things and beautiful people. I think there's such a testimony in this. This world is a messed up place, it is, but you are, are created by God. And what God created in you is beautiful. Not because of the clothes you wear, not because of what you do, not because of how smart you are, how smart you think you are, any of those different things. Because God made you. And that soul is beautiful all by itself. You don't need to worry about what you're going to wear, what you look like, how others see you. You hear all that? You know how many times I've had people say, well, I could never tell that story I just told you, Pastor, in front of a whole church, because what would they think? If I told you about the time I met God and God brought a new work into my life and I began to see myself and the world differently around me and I experienced salvation, well, they wouldn't want to hear about that. Somebody's going to judge me. I'm so worried about what other people look like that I can't see the beauty that God has brought into my own world. No need to worry. Your beauty is not going to be found in the clothes you wear. Short, skinny, not skinny. old-fashioned, new-fashioned, whatever fashion, plaid. I thought he might be sleeping. I just had to throw that in there. Hello, Mr. Martin. Welcome to church. You look beautiful today, sir. I shouldn't go down these roads sometimes. You guys hear this? Are you of not more value than they? Even the lilies of the field, they're there for a day, they're there for a week, they're, they're collected, tossed in the fire and gone, they're done. It's not you. Eternity, that's what you get. That beauty isn't gonna fade. It isn't gonna go away because you're created by God and God did not create you to be tossed out. And the same thing goes from the people around you. We worry so much about what other people think. We worry so much about what we think other people think. We worry so much about what we think we should think other people think. It just gets complicated. And maybe the better path is to be. discover the beauty that God built into each and every one of us and let that shine. Because that's beautiful in a way that no stitch of clothes can be. That no appearance can be. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Where does it come from? God is the provider. And this whole world's been built 
for that. We mess this up all the time. We don't need to worry. We need to be motivated by something else. There is another way. Worry does not have to be our motivation. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it's the Gentiles who strive for these things. And indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. You of little faith. Have you guys heard that phrase before? Jesus tends to repeat it. It's something he says to his disciples on a semi-regular basis. Usually, he says it when there is a lesson that he is giving them that they are reluctant to follow. Why would we be reluctant to follow the wisdom and the teaching of our Creator and Savior? It's because we think we know better. And of course, when I say that in the context of a sermon, it sounds ridiculous. Well, folks, it is. Always has been, always will be. But we can't help it because we think we know how the world works. And this thing that Jesus says, it often feels too good to be true. Worry is one of those things. When we have so ingrained in worry that it is our motivator, the idea that there is a way to be motivated and live life in a healthy way that doesn't involve living in constant worry seems like a fantasy. But it isn't. What happens is, is when we think that we've got this figured out and we know how the world works and we know what life is, then that faith that we have, it gets real quiet. We can get so caught up and you see this headline and that headline and this going on and that going on and, and look at the betrayal that happened here in this job or this space or that thing that happened over there or whatever it might be and we can start to let all those things that are not of God negate or reduce or silence the voice of God and the faith that will actually lead us to be different worry is one of those things that can be so loud in our heart, our soul, and our minds that it quiets the voice of faith that says, this is God, this is me, this is life. That's not just what I believe, it's who I am. And this is a better way. We had faith the size of a mustard seed. I think I heard somebody say that, right, Jesus? Move mountains. 
something so small can so fundamentally change the way we view the world if we would just listen. Is this a lesson that we are reluctant to learn? I want to hold on to my worry because that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what drives me to do. I'm going to hold on to this worry. Sometimes that worry feels like it's just real loud and it's real out there. Other times it's a little more under our control, but it's still there. It is still our motivation. I'm going to hold on to that instead of picking up the kingdom of God. Instead of living in the trust and the faith that we've been called to. Sometimes we think we have to solve every problem on our own. You of little faith, you whose faith is quiet, says Jesus. There's some things we can do in this world that bring a lot of good. Sometimes the world's just going to world. Things is going to go wrong. Good people are going to do bad things. Bad people are going to do bad things. It's going to be. And we look at all that stuff outside of our control, outside of our space, and we think, how can God be real? Do you see what happened there? It blinds us to what God is already doing in here. For me, the transition in this came when I realized that my faith isn't defined by what everybody else thinks. And that's not just what everybody else thinks of me. I had to give that one up too, but... It's just what everybody else thinks. Everybody else thinks that God got this and all this. and It's one of the reasons that I, I don't follow a whole lot of the, the big news here. And even in the Christian world, I'm, I don't jump at all the different hot things that are going on. And what's bad here, good here, and all that kind of stuff. And my faith, it's here. In God and being me sometimes I'm going to be me and that's not going to be good enough for some folks and that's okay it really is and sometimes it might seem small but if there's one thing I've learned in the last couple years is even five minutes of real genuine love, mercy, care kingdom of God stuff and have an inordinate impact on the life, mine and others. What if life wasn't about all the big stuff out there? What if it was about the little stuff in here? Jesus says it, I think, very well. Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness this motivation 
it's not worry. Because who's in charge of God's kingdom? Is it me? Certainly isn't me, and it certainly isn't you. It's God. It's his business. And he's invited me to be a part of it. And so I'm going to strive to be the best citizen I can be inside of his kingdom. I'm going to strive to exemplify all the things that make God's kingdom, the things that Jesus points to, that he's pointing to now. Faith, hope, trust, joy, love, grace, mercy, forgiveness. The list, it goes on, right? But you hear it. We have the fruit of the Spirit. We have the gifts that God gives us. None of it is in vain. Might seem small. But what God does with it, it's His. I get to be part of it. It's enough. It is enough. I don't have to worry about everything else. That five minutes is that five minutes, and that five minutes is enough. Did the heavens open and the angels sing and the light descend? Not usually. But maybe, just maybe, somebody experienced a genuine act of care. And maybe, just maybe, that faith kept me from falling into that shame spiral that's so easy to fall into. Anybody ever looked in the mirror and not like to see? I've been there. You know what? I'm me. I'm not perfect. Stand to lose a whole lot of weight. Still got my hair, though. I'm going that for a bit. <laughs> what? If there's groaning in here, there's no intentionality. <laughs> Maybe I need to take a razor to this just so I can blend in. That we can find joy in just being us. Yeah. There's stuff we can do, make better choices, and a lot of different things. Worry is not going to get us there. Faith will. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is the order. This is healthy. This brings people together. This allows us, when we are in need, to look at the person that we love and care for across the table and maybe they've got the worst news in the world. Maybe they've screwed something up, done something terrible. Maybe they've got some kind of disease, some kind of thing, and they have to tell you and it gives you the freedom to sit across from the table and actually hear them because they don't need your worry. They need your love. They need your grace. They need your support. These things are of the kingdom of God. Worry is not. This gives us the capacity to look at things like 
a church body, a church community, both the small, medium, and large, whatever it might be. And yes, there is messed up stuff that goes on and people are not perfect, but you know what? We can stand and we can sing and we can worship. We can read the word of God. We can love each other. And maybe it's not perfect. Maybe we're not always going to get along. But at the end of the day, it's the kingdom of God. And I don't need to worry because this isn't my church. It's God's. I'm thankful I get to be part of it. I don't know what it is that's consuming you. The answer isn't more worry. The answer is faith. That's one thing for me to stand up here and say. It's a whole other thing to actually do. If you keep walking down the path of worry, you're not going to get anywhere. It's going to find more worry. In the last part of Jesus' teaching there, you know, all these things are going to be given to you. Today, got enough by itself. The best thing about living in the kingdom of God is you can just be here. You can just be today. You can just be now. You don't have to worry about everything else that's coming after. You can be where you are. Deal with the thing in front of you. And trust. And tomorrow's going to be a better day. Or at least that God will be with you. And whatever it is that you're facing. Today's enough. Be you. Be here. Don't worry about all the rest of it. Live in the kingdom of God. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Amen? Amen. I want to invite the worship team forward. And let's pray. Lord God, this morning, may this message be heard. Not because it's mine. May your message, this Sermon on the Mount, those words be heard. That this worry that drives us, this motivation that we cling to, to gain control in this world or just to figure out what to do next, that starts to consume us and lead us in unhealthy places, Lord God, we pray that you would help us to see a new way. You would help us to recognize that who we are as your children recognize that you are with us and you know our needs. You're going to be there. You're going to guide us where we need to go. And Lord, let our motivation change. Help us to, to pick up the things that look like your kingdom, that are your kingdom, what you've taught us. Help us to put those act into action in the present moment. And Lord, let that be enough. Or we're going to seek you first. Your righteousness, your kingdom, your way. Let that be our motivation. And as we do that, Lord, we pray that we would see the fullness of your kingdom. That we would change the way we view ourselves, change the way we view the people around us, change the way we view the world. 
Because Lord, at the end of the day, troubles are out there. Plenty to worry about. But you will never leave us or forsake us. And your truth will remain. Help us to live there and find the faith that comes from that solid foundation. Lord, we ask this in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing this last song, and if anybody would like to pray, you're welcome to come to the altar. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, just wave at me. I'd be happy to do so, or somebody else, if you want to bring them with you. If you just want to pray by yourself, you're just welcome to do that. Let us just be together, God's people, singing this song. He is with us today. Amen? Let's stand.